A couple of weeks ago, I had an amazing conversation with Ryan McTaggart, the mindset medic from Edinburgh, Scotland. He blew me away with just how honest he was about his personal story. And it truly colored the conversation with genuine value for so many people. He talks about facing his demons more than once in his life so far, and now appears to be on the road to greatness. And he's taking others with him on the healing journey. Listen in. Yeah, um, so probably to give you a little bit more context, when I left high school um, after a torrid 15 years of education, um, which was marred by extensive bullying, which became more physical, um, I left school with conditional acceptances to go and study at university but opted not to try in the exams because at that point, my life transitioned from where I felt like a victim of my environment to where I thought I have some sort of element of I can have agency over what's happening in my life. So that happened at that kind of 15, 16, that pivotal age where you're thinking, let's move further and do more with my life. Um, So that happened. And what happened there was I left school with, a couple of Scottish hires, as they're called, um, and didn't have anything that would allow me to go to university, and equally had too much that I wouldn't get an apprenticeship. So no one was willing to offer me an apprenticeship because anyone else who was coming in had no other options. Whereas here's Ryan, who had options to go to university, and their thoughts and all the questions in the interviews were, would you stay here for four or five years to complete this? Or are you going to get like the urge to go and pursue that last couple of hires, which will take you in to university? So no one would entertain that. I got into construction and started to work in construction um, for, that was 2001. Then 2008-9, um, construction was on its knees. Um, the recession completely washed it out. By that time, I had accumulated the car, um, the 5C's BMW, the nice house. I uh, just moved back from the States. Like, stuff looked good in my life um, materially. However, it was washed out. So I ended up bankrupt, house repossessed, car repossessed, back with my parents. Um, things started to really go on its head. Um, so at that point, I sunk into a depression. Um, the first time I'd experienced that sort of um, real, I had no control over how life was going to happen um, and the awareness of what's the point, like why would I even bother trying anymore, like I had this real like low point at that 2009 spell where I was back with my parents after thinking my life was starting to move. Now on the construction site, people would always say because I had developed this jovial outgoing attitude where I would speak to anyone and they would say, Ryan, you should be in sales. And I was like, so nothing else happening. I'm going to do sales. So I went out in Scotland and did door-to-door sales for 15 or 16 months. Um, and it was one of these commission only. You recruit people into your team. You build a team capable of generating enough money. And you get promoted through this effective pyramid scheme. So um, what happened was, I did exceptionally well. In five months, I was promoted to be assistant manager. And seven months, I was set out to build my own office in Edinburgh from Glasgow. Um, 
And that was the beginning of my sales career. Although I realized at the time, when I took my office of 15 um, members and set up in Edinburgh, the 48-year-old man who had promoted me went back to knocking doors. And I was like, 48, I'm going to have to go and knock doors with my office. <laughs> so I was like, this isn't for me. Um, and did door-to-door in Edinburgh um, at all of the recruitment firms. And ST liked that attitude, the get up, go, find what you want. Um, and they took me in. So um, that was the start of the recruitment career. It was never planned. Peter, I think that's the honest summation as it was never planned. And having been someone who spent 10 plus years out and about moving, to then be chained to a desk for 13, 14, 15 hours a day, I was like, this probably isn't for me long term. However, the flip side of every coin is its opposite. And what I found was that I made really good money really quickly um, S3 had me in planes to go for all expenses paid trips to Marbella where I got free beer and like it was amazing so um, as much as I hated being chained to the desk I realised I had a good knack for speaking to people engaging at a high level um, and getting buy-in from organisations to start to recruit um, and, and equip them with staff so that happened the office shut um, and I went to another firm who were just setting up in Edinburgh um, and had this, like, it was almost like a, like, I had this knack for going in because it was a cold desk that I started um, in the oil and gas industry. And then I went into almost a cold desk, which had never been worked in Scotland for a company who were Bristol based. Um, and that was, again, just a development of my recruitment career. But quickly, um, 2013, we went on holiday, myself and my fiance went on holiday to Mexico and I'm lying on the beach in Cancun and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like, I spend 70 hours a week, like I'm in the weekends <laughs> sitting at a desk, like that is not my idea of a good life. So um, when that came to me and lying on that beach, I had a breakdown again, like there was this, what am I doing? So at that point, I then qualified as a personal trainer and set up my own business, but still very part-time. Um, and over the years, that progressed to become something that I could substantiate um, and have as a full-time business. So um, that saw my transition from leaving school, which was horrible, through construction, recruitment, and then into setting up my own business. Wow. That is a hell of a journey. It's one that, that, I, that resonates with me, in, in all honesty, because um, I think I, I had a tumultuous childhood, too, and, I, and I, I never had any give me's or get out of jail cards for free, you know, or that kind of thing. It was always, if I wanted something, I had to transform myself into the something that I wanted. And, and, and I, I see that in you. And in fact, I almost read it in you and in, in your posts on LinkedIn as well. I can see some of the imaging that you're sharing. And I had, a, I had an inkling. I said to myself, I think, I was not wanting to read too much into it, but I said, I think this guy has lived this. 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't echo what you've just said more. Um, I think the reality is that whenever something has had to happen in my life, I had to grab it by the horns and make it happen. Um, it was never a gimme. There was never a, here you go, there is the opportunity. Um, you just have to fall into it. I had to go and get it. Um, and you've read my LinkedIn kind of, the lowest point in my life happened in 2011 um, when I was doing door to door. And again, that culture of sales, commission only, um, brings with it a mindset. Um, and you know my work's all mindset. So now that I understand that, I can look back with hindsight and see what was happening. Um, and at that stage in my life, I had become, I was like trying to get over this depression that I had been in for a number of years. I was trying to find myself um, completely lost to who I was or what that meant. And at that point, I was drinking every night of the week. So um, I would have one or two beers and drive home. Now, now that I understand what was happening there, I was training my subconscious mind to think alcohol and driving were okay. So, um, September 2011, um, I was out um, after work. I drove to a party. Too much alcohol must have been consumed. I had no idea why I woke up in a police cell the next morning. Wow. Now no that idea. is, yeah, that is a rude awakening. Um, it's, um, and you know, I, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, depression the way that somebody who has gone through it does uh, because in many cases, and I have, I have it within my family too. Right. And I, and it's, it's, I, I see it as that, is taking over, it is developing, but they don't know it. They see yeah. it, it manifests itself as something else, right? Yeah. I mean, it manifests itself as stress, uh, uh, different types of pain, but it is a depression. And, and it, the thing is, they're, they're in conflict with the acceptance of it, right? And then you obviously, I think you've gone through that yourself, right? Yeah. So my understanding um, now is that that is exactly how it presents in your life. And often at the time, I had no idea that it was depression. Like there was just forces on my body physically, mentally, um, which absolutely, like you said, it's, it's perfect. It conflicted with what I was trying to be, do, think, have, live. Um, all of these things were just in absolute conflict with anything that I thought life was. Um, and it led me to this place where I was entirely lost um, and fighting against emotions, which um, I felt I had no control over. Now, when we understand that your emotions will become self-fulfilling prophecies, we have this thinking, feeling loop which just goes on repeat until you interject and prevent that loop, then that is the very real process of falling deeper into the emotions that you're struggling with. And that's exactly where I was. And I was drinking to disguise and, and escape. Um, and again, we have to be very aware that 
all of these are coping mechanisms. Like there's no right or wrong. It just as um, that was my coping mechanism. I turned to alcohol because it numbed how I was feeling. Like it, it depressed the intensity of the emotions that I was feeling. And at that point, it was just becoming worse and worse. Um, and that night where I went to a party, I have no recollection of what happened after I got there. Um, I don't know what, I, I think it was vodka and there was whatever, but there was a lot of alcohol consumed. And waking up the next morning in a cell, yeah, I could have been there for murder. I had no idea. That's crazy. And I'm thinking of some other people while you're talking to me here. And when you look at them on the exterior, you'll look at this person and you say, oh, a really successful guy, really yeah. nice guy, really getting, he's really got his shit together. And then when you get to know him, like, oh my God, he's a total waste. Like, and, and I had a very rude awakening about a couple of years ago with a friend of mine who introduced me to this really amazing guy, like very well collected, very well spoken, deep seated, very talented, top notch music producer, like the whole bit. He ended up killing himself. He ended up killing himself. He committed suicide. And when my friend told me he had do done that, I, I was, I, I, I went into shock for a, almost a week. I, I, I almost break up in tears just thinking about this guy. And I'm thinking, what a beautiful soul. What a brilliant guy. What a talented individual. Why didn't we know? There's, there's absolutely no way to know. And if you are today even still like, um, I'll get messages from people who are brought in to door to door. Um, there's one guy on LinkedIn who will periodically message and just say, thank you. You're the reason why I started a business. Like so many people were inspired by my work at that time that if you were to ask them, was I struggling? They would have said, not a chance because we wear masks in society. And we turn up as someone that we think other people need to see us as. When in here is the most pain that you could ever dream of suffering. And that is the most challenging part when you have to wear that mask every day. When you get up in the morning, the last thing you want to do is put that mask on, Peter. And it is the most challenging part of helping people who struggle is getting them to reach their hand out and say, I need help. I'm a, I'm a child of the 50s and 60s, and I'm just thinking about, have we, have we just gotten better at recognizing this thing? Because I know it existed back then. I know the tumultuous life uh, uh, childhood that I had myself, but I had no way of coping with it other than to, in my case, I went to, the, I went to my art easel and I, and I painted and, and I kept myself busy with odd jobs and stuff just to redirect myself as a teenager, you know, even I'm thinking, yeah. I, how smart was that of me? But are yeah. we getting, are we getting any better? Yes. 
Um, 100% we're getting better. Um, and the reason is that we now have platforms where we can share that it is okay to struggle. It is okay to have difficulties and challenges where in the past, children of the 50s and the 60s, um, where my parents um, are certainly from that era um, and generation, the freedom of information was not there. Um, we now live in an age of information where um, ignorance is a choice. Like you have to literally be avoiding information, not to see it or find it. And I think that makes things a little bit more, and again, it's still a long journey. Like we have to appreciate the fact that physical health has been spoken about for millennia. Like there has always been pathology and there's all, like that has been the reality of life where this has been neglected and this has been prioritized beyond belief. So for us to think that 20, 30 years of increasing awareness of mental health is going to make it someone's priority would be foolish. Like we just have to understand that now as improving and there's more being done about it, but we are still a long way from where it becomes as considered as physical health. Yeah. Now, I noticed in looking at your bio and doing a bit of review, you're actually in actual medical studies at this yes, stage of the game. Yes. What's, your, what, what's your intention? What are your plans? I want to change how medicine is done um, as the, the long and short answer. So, um, again, I'm, I'm very much someone who has large visions and, and a lot of aspirations to do big things in the world. My belief is that medicine as it currently stands does not, is exceptional. Western medicine is exceptional at handling acute illness. Like without it, without the magic of um, anesthesia and like there is just wonders happening every day of the year, every day of like the week in Western medicine, like miracles. However, bring it to chronic illness, Peter, and we're doing nowhere near enough because what's happening is we look at, as a medical student, a first-year medical student, we look at pathologies and we're looking at the symptoms of someone's life conditions. And when you think of your life, like the accumulation of everything that you consume becomes something that can consume you. So whether that is coffee, whether that is whatever you're consuming on a day-to-day basis, has the power to consume you. And that is everything in your environment. So whether you live in a toxic environment where there's a lot of um, fumes and contamination, or you live in an environment where um, there's mold. And so there's a whole host of reasons why your body presents as diseased. And they are mostly chronic exposure to your life. Now, when you rock up, to the doctor and he says um, you've got uh, IBS or IBD or Crohn's or like what is the underlying mechanism behind that originating because if you think that something he ate yesterday caused this what we eat occasionally does not harm us like our bodies are the most amazing excretion mechanisms like we get rid of stuff very quickly we process and we get rid of what doesn't suit and doesn't fit 
until the point where accumulation has gathered and it becomes a chronic issue because you keep putting in the same and that is then going to lead to some sort of fault in our biological mechanism. Now, the reason why medicine, a long way to answer this, the reason why medicine, Peter, is that I think that there is a shift. I want to be part of that shift. And I think that we're moving to a more integrative model where we understand people's lifestyles and we understand their emotional challenges, um, their physical challenges, their environmental, socioeconomic challenges. When you take that into consideration, then you start to address chronic illness. And that, for me, is why medicine. Interesting. I am... As it so happens, I actually was at the doctor yesterday for a physical. And she's, she's a younger uh, woman, and she's very much in tune with some of the things that you're talking about. There's an old saying, you can worry yourself sick. Well, th that is the absolute truth, right? Because, oh, you know, yeah. if you hear nonsense and believe nonsense nonsense will occur and i'm talking to her and she, and i had a little bit of a spell where about a few weeks ago where i was i uh, not enough sleep burning the candle at both ends worrying about a few deadlines and i got up from the couch and i went to do something normal and i had a tiny little blackout that was probably about two to three seconds in length but it may as well have been a week, right? For me, yeah. because like I lost yeah. touch and I fell back against the wall. And so I went and had blood tests and all that stuff because it's kind of like freaked me out. But um, she goes, and she actually just, she actually literally said, she goes, I, lit I totally agree with you. She says, I, I know you probably don't want to self-diagnose, but everything you just said to me, you've just like hit the nail on the head. You know, it's lined up. You checked all the boxes for me I because I was just about to start on this dialogue and you just solved your own problem. She said, now, your biggest problem, and I, and I, I know you know it, is get out of your own way, right? Like get out of your way. Yeah, stop worrying yourself sick, right? There's things you can't do. You know, like just accept it and move on, right? That is, that is absolutely my gospel, like 100%. We live lives of chronic conditions. Like we live chronically. When you think of stress, Peter, um, and to break stress down, there's emotional stress where we worry and we overthink and we overwhelm. Then there's chemical stress where we eat lots of sugar, where we consume alcohol. Um, and then there's physical stress where we get involved in accidents or we have some sort of fall um, and the body is stressed. So the accumulation of those stresses, if we have two or three of them out of place at the one time, something's going to break down. And, and so, in real life, and in real life, not sorry to interrupt you, but in I was just, you just, it just hit me in real life. You lose a job. You break up with your wife, 
you lose your house, you go bankrupt, like all that, all those kinds of crazy. And you actually just described a scenario like that that happened to you back a, a few years ago. And I'm thinking, like, you should have exploded. <laughs> I probably was on the verge of it. <laughs> I was probably on the verge of it, I'll be honest. Um, but I, t- I tell people, I said, look, figure out what you're going through. Right. And I'm not trying to do you out of work, but I'm uh, even because even in my business as a as a branding strategist that I've developed, I'm really a business strategist. I help I help people get their business organized and and, and well placed in the market. And uh, and I'm just leaning on years and years of experiences of all kinds. Right. It's not something I learned out of a book. I learned this all on the streets. Right. And And the reality is like, figure out, you know, figure out the, the simplest thing that you can like tackle and overcome and like beat it to death and like feel accomplished a little bit about yourself, right? Stop looking at the guy with the big house and the big car and the 10 girlfriends. Like that's not your life. In yeah. fact, it's not even his, right? <laughs> because somebody, somebody owns that. He doesn't yeah. actually own that. He's just the recipient and it's very temporary. Right. And I keep telling people that's the way they should think of themselves. And when they put themselves in that um, position, like just like your post uh, with about the stream, I thought, oh, my gosh, this like that hit home with so many people. I could see that, you know, like it is hard to stand there. Right. And just keep taking it, you know, and if you move, you're going to hurt your feet and, you know, because it's there's stones and rocks and stuff underneath that. Like, like figure out the simplest way. Stop being somebody else. Start becoming a, I know it sounds kind of trite, but start becoming happy with the things that you know you can manage, right? That is like categorically the way to live a successful life, Pia. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is absolutely the only way that you will live a successful life um, is when you go in. And you find out that you're enough. Um, the, the challenges that we all face is that we grew up in societies where we were told to respect police officers, respect doctors, respect. Um, and, and a lot of that is driven by generational respect um, where you're passed down. So um, when I think of like the things that we endure on a daily basis to try and achieve this external success, that's looking for internal validation. Like You're looking to find out, am I enough? Am I worthy of respect? Am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of... And your parents didn't know that that's what they were passing on because until today, where now we have this sort of information where neuroscience has shown us that the brain development um, starts at that age where you're prepared fully for survival emotionally and physically so that you can... And again, evolutionary-wise, we were created that way so that we could procreate and keep survival of the species... But coming back to the fact that that brain development happens at that age, we think that we need to be something else to be validated, to be loved, to be worthy. So when we're standing in that river and we're fretting because we don't want to take a step left or right because we might be hurt or damaged or pulled under, and we don't want to step out because we fear that we'll lose the place in the race. And remember, a race is only a race because it has a finish line. And we have to become very aware that the finish line that we're all running for is death. Yeah. Yeah, It's the only finish line in life. 
Um, is that the definition of the human race? I mean, really? It's the human race. So yeah. when, when we come back to it and we look at in that stream, the only reason we're threatened to step out is because we feel we'll lose the progress that we've made. Well, what progress have you made? Because if all of your progress is external and it hasn't fulfilled you at this age, where you're 36, where you're 56, where you're 76, that race is never going to fulfill you. Yeah. And you have to turn in to find that worth and that value. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me a little bit more about the work that you're involved in now, because I'm intrigued yeah. now how you're taking your learnings and you're converting it and you're actually applying it to something tactical and strategic around the, the people that you're working with. I'm interested in that space. Perfect. That's it's absolutely my calling in life. Um, and you so accurately um, depicted your own journey where you have learned a lot of stuff in your own life. Um, it was learned in the streets. It's not certifications. It's not licenses. It's, it's building on your life experience. Now, I've taken everything that I've learned in my own journey, working with coaches, working with therapists, working on my own personal development, knowledge, understanding, and now pursuing further knowledge and education. And my work centers around helping people who were or are in a situation where they are struggling and they can't see a way out because that was me. That was my reality. And you cannot coach someone from a place that you haven't authentically been yourself. You can't help someone from a, a place you haven't authentically been yourself. And now my work centers around people who have handled traumas either recently or in the past, which linger with them to this day. And they cannot see past a certain aspect of their life. So they will think something is impossible, that they can't do it, that it will never happen. Like these are the things that I'm having conversations with people about. So anyone who's coming to me is thinking that will just never be my life. Like I might never have that. Like, because that was my, that was my truth. That was who I was. Like, I felt like something had been done to me. I was a victim of the world and all that sort of stuff. And my traumatic experiences were things that I had to process and get past before I realized that the world can be what I make it to be and what I decide it's going to be. Um, and at that point, I then transitioned almost naturally from, because this probably needs just a little bit kind of diving back to why I became a personal trainer. So when I became a personal trainer, it was because my journey from that day waking up in the police cell um, was let's sort the external world. So I got in exceptional shape. Um, I started to eat better. I didn't drink alcohol. Like all that sort of stuff happened. And I thought that's me fixed my life. Well, what I realized was that when this isn't fixed, that that will never be enough. So and I went on this journey of developing myself while I'm coaching other people to become six packs and a rounder bum and better thighs and all that sort of stuff that you coach people in personal training. Um, and then that quickly matured and, and evolved. I don't know whether it's the grey hair or not, Peter, but what happened was I started to attract executive level guys and women and um, entrepreneurs who were building big businesses and those conversations quickly became this because those guys understood that this was the driver behind everything. 
And I moved over the last three and a half years into more of that mindset role and more of helping people overcome the blocks that they had. And what we talk about is the F in the life. So in what area of your life are you failing? And why is that the case? Because when you understand why that's the case, you understand what you have to do to get past it. Um, and that is my work. Honest to a fault and humbled by his experience, Ryan now shares his experiences willingly so that others can learn without having to go through the same pains. I hope you'll join us for part two coming soon. And thanks for listening.